and welcome to the Creators Call podcast, where we explore technology and how it is used for education. I'm your host, John Lazar, and today we're joined by Filippo Jacob, the co-founder and CEO of Primo Toys, the makers of Cubetto. So how are you doing today, Filippo? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, I'm calling you from London, uh, from my house, my kitchen. But uh, And that makes you our first international guest. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's good to know. Uh, and it's evening here, by the way, just so everybody knows. All right, cool. So what is your background that led to the creation of Primo Toys and Cubetto? Sure. So basically, um, I've always been involved. Uh, I'm a designer uh, by trade uh, with actually, strangely, a, a background in law. Um, I guess after school, I didn't know what to do. And so I, I, I chose law as like a, a nice, safe thing to study. Um, but it it had never really been my interest and so I, I'd always been involved in uh, in startups my own and other people's and projects and, and design I've been a print designer for a long time uh, so I'm a self-taught designer and a technologist if you will and um, and I've always known that uh, uh, programming technology stem or steam as it is in in some uh, uh, is called in, in some instances uh, was important and in around 2013 uh, is, that, is when I discovered that I was going to be a dad, um, and, uh, and and that led me to uh, to really think about what I wanted to do in life. Um, at the time, I was uh, managing a chain of co-working spaces that I'd started, um, that I'd founded, and uh, I just uh, come off uh, some really stupid ideas uh, for startups that I pursued, um, and uh, and I knew I wanted to do something. Um, around education, technology, and toys. I'm kind of a big kid. And uh, at, at the same time, I, I linked up again with, uh, with an old childhood friend of mine who was my co-founder, who's my co-founder now, uh, Matteo, uh, who was working on uh, some really interesting interaction design project. It won some prizes. I grew up with him. Uh, we played in the same ice hockey team, and uh, we skateboarded together uh, from the same hometown back in Italy. And uh, it, one thing led to another. And uh, we took what was then uh, a very embryonic uh, cubetto, um, which already had the programming language aspect of it developed, and turned into and, and turned it into a product. Uh, we launched the we launched on Kickstarter just because we had no other clue of what we should do. Um, um, I think like many people, we're just like, hey, you know, there's this thing called Kickstarter, and it's pretty cool, and you make a video and you say that you're going to make something and people give you money. That's true. That's how it happens. Um, but we were, you know, we didn't really prepare anything and we were a little, we were successful enough to, to, to crowdfund the first version of the project. Um, we carried on developing things and sort of three years later we actually developed, we realized that there really was a market for it. And, and three years later we, um, we had our, our second campaign, which just finished in uh, April and it turned out to be the most, uh, crowdfunded educational technology invention in Kickstarter history at uh, 1.6 million. The first wow. campaign was not that successful, by the way, but the second one was. Well, wow. congratulations on such a big uh, success. Thank you. So Thank what you. exactly is Kubeto? So um, Kubeto himself is a character. He's a friendly wooden robot um, that likes to be told uh, where to go and how to get there. Uh, if you give me a second, I'll ask my 
my assistant to bring me one uh, from upstairs. Um, but it, it's a it's a wooden robot uh, with all of the uh, necessary uh, components inside to sort of motor him around any adventure, if you will. And uh, children can control him using a tangible interface board, uh, which is a, a sort of 25 by 25, uh, one and a half inch thick uh, physical interface board that's also uh, has a wooden top. Um, and uh, they, they, they program Kubeto using these instruction blocks um, that replace on-screen text-based uh, programming, uh, making programming completely tangible. There's no screen involved. There's no language involved. And um, ah, here we go. I've got it here. So this is Kubeto right here. Uh, he's friendly. He's got a nice little face. And he's got a wooden shell and, and big screws that as you get older, you can sort of access. This is the interface board. Um, as you can see, there's this snaky line right here, which is called the queue, which is kind of an important concept when it comes to programming, and a function line. And in here, you have the blocks, which are uh, for programming Kubeto. So you create these sequences with these blocks um, that are very defined and very specific instructions. And um, you control Kubeto, and you help them navigate from uh, one um, from one point of his map to the other. And while you're doing that, you're kind of playing with a robot, but what you're actually doing is you're creating algorithms. Uh, you can create functions, loops. Um, you can debug, and it's very collaborative. And again, there's no screen involved. Uh, there's more than 50 trillion different combinations that you can use. And um, it, it's, again, it's a completely tangible experience that makes computational thinking accessible to uh, three to six-year-olds for the very first time, but also later we then found out that it's also something that is suitable and useful for non-sighted children and partially sighted children, which is not why we designed it, but when we discovered that this was the only programming system that a, a blind person can use, we kind of made sure that all of the product um, sort of changes um, and the tactile cues were in there so that it was really, really, really nice for um, uh, a blind person to use. And if you, if anybody's listening and they're a fan of uh, Logo or the Logo Turtle from the 70s and 80s, uh, you can think of this as a physical version of Logo. And anything you could do on Logo, you can do with these blocks. And what these blocks fundamentally are, are the first fully hands-on, tangible, procedural programming language. It seems really simple because it's for uh, a, ch a child to use, but it's actually really a, a really complex and robust language. And the interface board itself can, in, it, it can now, we just released the robot, but it can connect to any other connected object. So we can open up a new, um, I've been told never to use the word paradigm ever, <laughs> but uh, it opens up new play and programming paradigms um, with any connected object around the house, like a smart light or a drone or a TV, and a child can all of a sudden um, control these other objects using these blocks. Um, and we're opening that aspect of the product out to the community um, to see what people come up with. That's cool. So then how do the, the Q system um, uh, communicate to Cubeto? Is it like Bluetooth or some other technology that's similar? Yeah, so they, they are uh, connected via Bluetooth. 
Um, and the way that the way that this works is that each each block is a very specific instruction. You can eventually reprogram them um, depending on what, whatever object you're programming. But for for the sake of the of the robot, you have very simple ones like forward, left ninety degrees, right ninety degrees, and function, uh, which you can. You can create functions using the last line on the board. And once you created these sequences and you press the button, it sends the command to, um, to Kubeta. I don't know if I can give a, a really quick demonstration. I probably can. So here we go. We have him right here. And hopefully, it's going to work. So yeah, it should. So here we go. He's facing that way. I have my board ready, and I'm going to tell him to turn left towards you, and then I'm going to tell him to go forward. So I've created my sequence, which is turn left and go forward. And when I press the button, he turns left, and he moves forward towards you. So it's, uh, it's wireless communication. You can have multiple of these in a the room, and, and there's obviously a pairing mechanism. That happens every time you turn one on and off, um, but uh, it's uh, it. The idea is to make it look magical. You know, you don't see any technology within it. A child is just playing with blocks, and it's something that, as a three-year-old, you already do uh, in a kindergarten. And in fact, we study this, and, and we say that this is a Montessori-approved product because that's who we developed it with. Hundreds of Montessori educators, and we designed this to to be. You know, I think more products should be, but it's the only coding product that's uh, accessible in a Montessori setting because you don't see any Ys, you don't see any PCBs, you don't see any technology. It's completely, it, it's supposed to look like magic to a child. Yeah, I, I mean, I was a developer who started young, and I was brought up on Logo and Basic, basically. <laughs> and, you know, to see something like this would definitely have captured my imagination as well. Um, I love the fact that a lot of companies now are taking the physical and adding it to the programming. So you're not just controlling like a little turtle on screen, you're actually controlling something that's moving in front of you and makes it more tangible and easier to grab the concepts of. If I can, if I can add on to that, I think uh, th that was the whole idea, to create a really social experience around the output. Um, but more specifically, the input as well, because I think that, that we noticed that there were a lot of robots out on the market uh, which utilized uh, screen devices as an input. Now, I want to make this super clear. We have nothing against screen devices. We're not the anti-screen uh, company here, but we're just more about um, just creating a play experience that is com completely away from it, because I think that uh, the screen is, um, or devices tend, tend to be distracting. Um, objects to have in front of a child. Um, you don't necessarily associate them to learning. Um, you, you can, you, and, and it's difficult to focus and concentrate uh, in front of a screen. I'll give you an example of, actually, a, a, an adult example is reading, right? Um, I still prefer reading books because when I open a book, I'm just reading that book. Um, and when I'm reading it on a tablet, I still do it. I read the news, I read other things. But I find it really difficult to read a book on a tablet because I end up doing other things and I want to do other stuff. And that's difficult for an adult. Imagine for a three-year-old that, that has a much shorter attention span 
and is already used to using the screen to watch cartoons and whatever is put in front of them to be pacified. Um, so, and, and the other aspect of uh, having everything completely tangible and not having a screen, again, going back to the idea of having something social, is that it's sort of, uh, you know, you have a very, you end up having a very dynamic um, experience when you're playing uh, with Kubet and with the playset, you're moving around the map, you're setting obstacles, jumping around, you're laughing, and it's uh, it's kind of great. And I think you miss you miss a little bit of that when um, when you just have something that's uh, um, uh, that that's digital. And I think the other thing that I kind of wanted to mention that's kind of important of this is that um, did you ever play with Big Track? Um, I remember it, but I never had one. I really played so, with it. So uh, I'm, sh I'm sure you've seen sort of there are robots where you can sort of punch in the sequence on the back of, of the robot or the track or the or the truck or the uh, the turtle. Um, now again, one of the reasons why we separated the interface board and the robot is because you can create uh, you can get into the concept of designing and predicting a a program or a sequence, and one of the uh, key core principles of programming is that a program is an unambiguous sequence of instructions. And so if you've punched in your program on the back of a turtle, you may have punched it incorrectly. You may not remember what you punched in. And it's very difficult to see um, uh, uh, to, uh, you don't have a direct relationship. You don't see the direct relationship between what the robot is then performing and what programs you've, um, you've sort of put in. Whereas with something like this, when you're inserting the blocks, you are essentially designing your program. And it's easy because of the shape and because of the color, if you can see and if you can't see because of the shape, to know this one's forward, this one's right, and this one's left. And it can't be anything else. That's, that's what you've done. So you don't get confused. It's, you take abstraction out of programming, basically this way by making the code tangible as opposed to just a robot. And then it also makes it easy to do things like debugging or understand the concept of debugging because if I've created a sequence and it doesn't work very well um, and the robot doesn't end up where it needs to be, to debug this sequence or this program, I simply change my, change my block and start again. And I don't have to remember what I'd inputted before because it's right in front of me. And obviously you have LEDs that blink. Um, and tell you which um, which sort of a command the robot is is performing. Yeah. Plus, it makes it a little less conceptual. You can actually see what your plan is, what you want it to do, and if you want to repeat it, because once you've pushed in the buttons, once it's gone, it's gone. That's right. And uh, it, you know, I think I think that uh, th this way we're also taking any. Um, any reading out of it, so children have a very visual mind, uh, have that visual reference in front of them. So we'd, we'd gone to school before where they tried to uh, teach kids, I think age four, IT classes, and they had this kid who said, oh, he's not very good, he doesn't understand computers. Uh, but, you know, we'd, we asked him not to, and I looked at some of the activities they were doing in this class here in England, and they were asking kids to do things like create a folder and rename it. <laughs> and this kid, it, that was the extent of, of the IT education that they had here, which, as far as probably, probably what I did as well when they first introduced computers at school. But this kid was, was dyslexic. 
and he would he still couldn't write very well or read very well when he was writing even on a keyboard and and then he got onto this and he just really got it and he was creating really complex sequences he started using the function line and the function block really quickly and that's because it gave him a very visual very tangible way of of expressing his logic and his creativity through logic his problem solving skills which at the end of the day i, I think are more useful than knowing how to create a uh, a folder called uh, my my sprites or whatever it was he was trying to do, um, and and that I think the fact that it, it 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 is visual as you say and it does take that abstraction out is is a plus for for children that otherwise would go unnoticed or would probably lose interest in understanding what what computing is. It also makes it easy for teachers and parents to get involved and and sort of share what they like about it. You know what I like this because I thought. I'm going to share what I enjoy and what I like with my kid uh, when he's three, when he's old enough. And it's, it's going to be like the simplest, most fun way for me to share something complex that I'm involved in and that I care about. And, and he might care about it as well because, you know, he's caring about little cubetto, the little computer, in a different way. But, um, and I think that's a, that's a nice thing. That's part of our mission uh, now in a way. Nice. Is there anything kids have done with it that have really surprised you? I think, um, let me think what they do. So uh, there's a lot of decoration involved. And um, so I'm, um, I'm kind of a, uh, known as like the brand design Nazi in the company or one of them. We're all like super uh, uh, strict and uh, we all like everything to look pristine and to look nice. And when you put it in front of kids, like they do whatever they want to it. They'll color on it. They'll create like costumes and things. And at the end of the day, it's still fun to watch. So I'm surprised. Uh, I, to be honest, I'm surprised every time I, I see a kid actually enjoying it because we've been doing this for three years. Uh, this is like one of those weird things that you say. It's like a, um, a sort of uh, the humble brag sort of thing. But I'm still waiting to... Uh, open it up and get a kid that says like I hate this or a parent or a teacher that says this is useless So I'm surprised because I'm the creator of it uh, I'm one of the creators of this and I'm obviously super conscious You know, I just want people to, to, to love this and like it and find it useful and they do But I always have that that I think that, that That's probably a good thing because it means that we're always trying to improve things, but I always have that doubt that um, People won't like it, but they do and they like it um, one of the things that, well, there's two instances that really surprised me, not, not necessarily kids. Well, first of all, one kid was two and a half and used it and used it better than any kid in the class who was four or five. And that was really surprising. Uh, but the other really surprising moment is when I, when I realized that uh, blind people could use this. And we hadn't designed it for it. And we had a meeting with a, a guy here in England who's, who's well known as an angel investor um, and a uh, and a technologist. He's an IT scientist, and he's blind. He's called Chris Myers. Uh, he's quite. A, he's a prominent IT engineer in, in the community, uh, and an entrepreneur again. And uh, he he didn't actually end up becoming uh, an investor in the company uh, because he he was the only one in his group who liked what we did uh, without saying too much about it. But he came to the meeting, and they tasked him to come to the meeting uh, to assess this. And the minute I put the blocks in his hand, he was like, oh, my God, like, I can play with this. I can use this. And then he started using it, and he could use it just by touching his hands and by listening to it. And, uh, and he said, guys, this is, this is fantastic. You've created something that, as, as a blind kid, I would have loved to have had and that I can use. And those were the, that was the most surprising uh, moment ever 
um, because uh, we, again, we didn't design it for this. We just designed it to be a very simple product. We concentrated on the core of what the queue and functions were. So the core of what um, procedural programming languages were. We took away, you know, there was no gimmick to it. I mean, fair enough, there's a cube and a smile on, on Cubetto, but there's a reason for that as well. And as it turns out, it's kind of, it was, it was a nice moment to think like, well, we designed something that was really honest. And, uh, and as a result, it's so versatile because it, it's very pure uh, in, its, uh, in its approach. And going back to the idea of the cube, um, you know, it used to be a car. Um, the first ever prototype had, had a car. And then we decided, well, why don't we have shells on top of it so we could have vans and cars and ice cream vans. And then we we used to work in um, we used to work at, we used to do all of our um, we used to moonlight at a uh, makerspace uh, in Turin, and I would go back and forth from London with my co-founder who worked at Arduino back then uh, in Turin uh, above above the makerspace, and uh, um, I was this was really early days and I was on the phone to him I was like okay look you know we've got a meeting we've got to do this like make me five prototypes and I was like I'm making them as fast as I can and he couldn't and then I went to visit him and I saw that to make like one car shell out of laser cut wood as, as it was back then would take him a whole night and all of a sudden I felt really bad that I had this co-founder at the other side uh, of, of, of the ocean making these little car shells uh, working through the night and I wasn't satisfied with and I didn't realize it took that long and then we thought well why don't we just scrap the car and we just make it into a cube we can make cubes really quickly and, and we did that and then we tried them and we put them in front of kids and we realized that a cube and a smile are such universal uh, concepts and they're the same anywhere they are they're gender neutral they they don't appeal to one type of kid more than the other and so we were, um, and, and that's how Cubetto came to be. Oh, very cool. So you had said earlier that there are screws on top. Is it possible yeah. to put other shells on it, or is that yeah, sure. possibly for the future? It is. I mean, so the idea is this, and um, these are big screws, as you can see, right? I'm going to undo one now. But what people don't know what they're getting with this is a side of a, a programming system with the blocks that connects to other stuff is when you turn five or six and you've outgrown the playset, and so I need a coin, you don't need a screwdriver, but you can kind of take these big screws apart and inside of it, I think this is, this is probably going into like a level of geekiness that I hope people enjoy, right? We, we were so obsessed about making it look really nice inside as well as outside. So we've removed these big screws that a six-year-old could do, for example, and you remove the shell and you have a PCB. I don't know if you can see it, yeah. which is designed also to be a toy experience. So if you unplug it, it has all of these plug-and-play components that you don't need a screwdriver, you don't need to solder to use, and you can take the better part. You can, um, I don't want to unplug it now, but you can, up, but you can quite easily unplug um, what's in here, which are the motors. These are just plug and play electronics. The other thing you can do, you can unplug the motors, which are encased in a shell, 
And so everything, everything about the product is uh, designed to be an experience. So what the one thing that we hated is, is the idea of, the one thing we didn't like about the toy industry is that mo the majority of toys are just designed with obsolescence in mind because as you grow up, you throw something away. And we wanted to design something that maybe if you rediscovered at the age of 20 or at the age of 15, you were like, oh my God, there's, there's an Arduino board in here. There's a microcontroller. There's, I can use this to rebuild anything I want. And while we don't, it's, this is not, we don't advertise it, uh, but I think it's a really cool part of the product is that it doesn't, it doesn't die. This is not just a toy for kids. This is like something powerful. This is, uh, it's, it's, an, it's like an Arduino Leonardo uh, for all intents and purposes, I would say. And you can use the motors to build anything else out of it. And it's, it's nice inside and out. It's, it's, you can enjoy it one way. Um, so that's the, um, that's, that's the secret underneath the shell. And of course, yeah, you can, you, know, you can make another shell. You can laser cut one. We have some plans online. You can create little costumes for Cubetto. Um, we've had, um, I guess we've had interesting license offers to, to, to create all kinds of shells for him. Uh, but, you know, it's, I, I don't think it's, uh, it, 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 it's so much about that. But you can have some fun with it. So. Yeah, I was going to ask if you had some sort of SDK or if it was open source, but... It's, it's Arduino powered with its own custom PCB then? It's its own board. It basically uses the uh, Atmega, I can't remember, we just recently switched it um, to, a, to, to a later one. But uh, yeah, we have an Arduino library available. And um, you, know, you can reprogram everything within it. Uh, or you can just flush it out and, uh, and do, do whatever you want with it. Uh, the reason why we chose Arduino, I think, is partly because of our heritage. My co-founder was an interaction designer at Arduino. Um, the concept itself was designed under uh, Massimo um, as, a, as a tutor at the university that my uh, co-founder was studying at. And he became a shareholder in the company when we started this and has been an advisor and, and a mentor throughout. Um, so we, we had seen all along from, from studying to starting a company sort of how, how powerful and how great the Arduino community was and, and how passionate they all were and we kind of wanted to do something that, that um, allowed that community to access this kind of product and it was also the kind of community who would like to take it apart and uh, take the board for a spin and do something else and uh, you know to this day we get we get emails from from, from the community and say hi can I uh, I want to add a uh, I want to build a uh, you know, a rocket launcher on top of Cubetto and I want to take it apart. Can you help us? Uh, uh, where can I get the library? And, you know, there's, there's a lot of collaboration um, going on. I think it was also a nice way for us to uh, give back to the same community that allowed us to develop this. So that the whole thing was developed in a makerspace. And we really, we really had a lot of help from engineers that were floating around the space, from the people at Arduino themselves. Um, it, it was all in the name of creating a really nice product. And the, the way for us to, to, to sort of carried on and made sure that this was everybody's product and not just ours, what was to keep it open uh, that way. And do you think makerspaces and crowdfunding are good places to launch educational technologies uh, and kind of build within the communities like that? 
well, obviously I do. Uh, but uh, um, it, it, I, I think what they are is they are sort of, yeah, they're great places to develop. They're great places to learn. And I think what you find in a lot of maker spaces is, is you tend to find people that identify uh, themselves as people rather than companies. So when they identify as people, they tend to share a lot more and help each other. Whereas when you're not in a makerspace and it's just companies in the ecosystem, you tend to get a lot more competition and, and your natural reaction is never to share. And so uh, your natural reaction is to protect yourself. I, I don't know why, but so for that reason, a great space is to uh, share knowledge and find people to help you develop things, certainly physical products, but uh, anything. I was at a place called Makerversity yesterday giving a talk here in London. I don't know if you ever heard about it or went to it. But it's, uh, it's yeah, I'm not familiar with that one, unfortunately. It's a beautiful, beautiful makerspace, and it's at the bottom of this, uh, in the basement of this huge palace uh, on the on the River Thames. And uh, the um, uh, Revenue and Customs gave gave them that building, uh, that part of the building uh, that used to be their postage uh, center, and said, "We'll make something out of it." And so these these guys took it on and turned it into an amazing makerspace. And I would say, like, some of the strongest projects on Kickstarter have come out of that. Um, and, in, you know, in many ways, the maker movement, uh, it's all about sort of uh, do it yourself, uh, learn while doing. Um, it, it kind of goes hand in hand with crowdfunding in many ways um, because you come up with a prototype, you know, that you could do it, and you're kind of opening up um, your product to the masses for funding or for purchase at a much earlier stage that you would have done otherwise. Uh, personally, I think crowdfunding is the future. I think crowdfunding, uh, whether it's uh, Kickstarter or whether it's going to be a, a new platform five years from now, 10 years from now, it's the future. The ability to, uh, to connect to a, a global audience uh, immediately and get that kind of support and be able to tell your story is how can you go back from that? I mean, you know, look, look at us. We launched, a, let's, you know, the first, the first campaign was nice. It allowed us to do some really nice things. But the second campaign, we, we probably invested a lot less money because we didn't, we didn't, we didn't have enough, that much money left when, when we launched um, uh, in, in, in March. But uh, we launched, and within a month, uh, we had one point, almost 1.6 million, just four grand shy of $1.6 million dollars in free sales from 90 different countries. How can you turn back from that? How can I personally turn back from that as an entrepreneur and say, oh, but maybe there was a better way of launching a product? There isn't. And if you, obviously you still, you know, you, even in the real world, you still need good products and a good story to tell. Uh, so you still need a good product. But even, that, that's the thing, even if you don't have that great a product, you still have a chance of finding your niche and the kind of people that want it and you can access them instantly. We're not going to turn back from that. I really think that it's the future of, of launching products and treating them like projects and also of, of new companies launching that identify themselves as people because you put your face on the line. You have to be a transparent company from the beginning if you're going to go on, on a crowdfunding platform uh, to, uh, to, to raise money or to fund a product. And that creates a new breed to me, at least that this is the experience that I'm having, is it creates a very unique breed of, of, of companies that are different, that are uh, community-based and community-led. Uh, so that is, it's fantastic. It's great. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great products that are out there. 
thanks to Kickstarter. So it's always great to see another success. So what do you think is the future for Cubeto? So for Cubeto, um, you know, we have a goal. It's, it's kind of ambitious, but it's actually, you know, it's starting to happen. There are 2.4 million early learning education centers worldwide. And we, would just, we see that uh, those are the places where Cubeto will get the most enjoyment. So we want to have one Cubeto in each one of those um, centers, first of all. Um, in, the, in the shorter term, we need to, now we need to deliver uh, 20,000 units uh, for this year because that, that, that's, that's where we're at in terms of uh, sales and delivery that we need to make in 2016. We've been successful after the campaign as well. Um, so delivery and making sure that, that there's a Kubeto in every early learning center across the world. We're working with uh, the French government, the state of Maryland, uh, other government entities, uh, private uh, school groups, public school groups, worldwide distributors. We almost have one in every continent now. And uh, after, um, after that, I think we would like to develop more blocks, more ways for, for uh, children to use the, the board to interact with other products. And we have another product in the pipeline, which uh, hopefully you'll hear about at some point next year. Um, but I think we kind of, you know, we see ourselves as, as, as a, new toy, uh, a new toy company for the 21st century, an educational toy company for the 21st century. We want to create, we want to create the most epic toys that you could possibly play with as a kid that teach you the coolest stuff that you're going to need and that you're going to remember and that you're going to enjoy as an adult. And uh, we're just going to keep cranking out product after product and do our best to also make sure that uh, every product is well supported and that we have a great company. Sorry, you cut off for a little bit at, this, at the end there. Uh, where did I cut company. off? Oh, come on. That uh, was the climax. A great company. I, I know. It's right yeah. at the end. If, if, it stop, if it stopped at great company, I think we'll, I'll, I'll stop it there. We just want to have a great company, and and no, we want we want to we want to just make sure that we're the best possible company. I have this idea that I we're not a big company, but we're a good company. We don't overextend ourselves. We're a profitable, self-sustaining company now. Um, I just want us to be the best pound-for-pound pound company that there is. So, for the number of people that we have, and for the community that we have, we want to make sure that everybody has an insanely awesome experience with this playset, whether you're a parent and grow from there, grow from quality. We don't, we don't, and, and, and that's what we're going to do, hopefully. Right. Well, if people want to find out more about this great, awesome company and Cubeto itself, where can they find you online? So they can go on www.primatoys.com. Um, we are hiring. We're looking for community, a community manager. We're looking for marketing roles. If anybody's interested, uh, check out the careers page. Um, otherwise, uh, however anybody thinks that they want to get involved, whether they want to tell the school, whether they want to get one, whether they want to just tell us what they think, whether they want to uh, write a paper, um, we, we encourage people to get involved and to get in touch in any capacity they want. We're super open to uh, collaborations, to talking uh, to uh, anybody who's passionate about the subject and who wants to make a difference. Again, we, we think of ourselves as we don't think that we're going to change the world, but we think that maybe as a community as a whole we can. That also involves other companies that are in the space. And that we, we encourage everybody to just get in touch if they have any ideas or they want to um, 
uh, it, or they have anything to say or uh, have uh, any good suggestions. From there, thank you for joining me today, Filippo. To comment on this episode or listen to other episodes of The Creator's Call, please visit thecreatorscall.com or find us in iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast. Show.